This is Anne Fremantle introducing another of WNYC's PEN, P-E-N, portraits. What is PEN, P-E-N? PEN is an independent world association of writers. The initials, P-E-N, stand for poets, playwrights, essayists, editors, novelists, and by implication of the initials for all writers. PEN was founded in 1921 in London by John Galsworthy, who became its first international president. American PEN was founded in 1922, with Booth Tarkington as its first president. The present president of international PEN is the old novelist, V.S. Pritchett. The present president of American PEN is the young novelist, Jose Kosinski. PEN has over 80 centers in 60 countries of Europe, North and South America, Asia and Africa. World membership is around 10,000. American PEN, which has its headquarters in New York but draws its members from all over the United States, has 1,500 members. Membership is by invitation of the Membership Committee, extended to published writers of demonstrative accomplishment. What is PEN for and what does PEN do? PEN exists to promote worldwide friendship and intellectual cooperation among men and women of letters. PEN is a purely literary association, working in a practical way on all matters of concern to writers generally. Better protection of literary copyright, better deals for translators, workshops for beginning writers in underprivileged areas, lectures and receptions for foreign authors coming here. Jersey Kosinski has announced that the new, uh, a new prize of, of $3,000 for the best first novel by an American published during the present year, during the previous year. Um, it's called the Ernest Hemingway Foundation Award, and it's donated by the Ernest Hemingway Foundation, established by PEN member Mary Hemingway in memory of her husband. And Penn is going to present this prize annually. And this award is the latest expression of Penn's concern for the plight of the beginning writer, who has increasing difficulty finding a publisher and readers. Penn has no politics. But it is against the imprisonment of writers for political reasons, and Penn members in the Penn Charter pledge themselves, quote, to oppose any form of suppression of freedom of expression in the country and community to which they belong. Penn is therefore against all censorship of the written word. Today, speaking together over the WNYC radio under the auspices of Penn are two very distinguished gentlemen. Gregory Rabassa, who is probably the, one of the greatest, perhaps the greatest living translator, grew up in New Hampshire, is professor at Queen's College and was professor at Columbia. He has translated many books, among them A Hundred Years of Solitude, um, which is, has become a world success. Um, uh, by Garcia Marquez, Hopscotch, which, for which he got the National Book Award for translation, by Julio Cortazar, and the latest book is Conversations in a Cathedral, in the Cathedral, I believe, sorry, Conversations in the Cathedral by Mario Losa, which is published by Harper and Rowe. And uh, Gregor Rabassa is going to talk about translation. We're going to discuss uh, is the translator a traitor? With him is Ronald Christ. Ronald Christ is the director of literature of the literary programs at the Center for Inter-American Relations. He teaches English at Livingston College, Rutgers University, and he got into Latin American studies by writing a book on Jorge Luis Borges called The Narrow Act. Borges, The Narrow Act. Borges' Art of Illusion. And this is published by the New York University Press. 
Ronald Crisp was a pupil of Gregory Rabassa when he, Gregory Rabassa was professor at Columbia. They are now going to talk about is the translator always, sometimes, never a traitor? Gentlemen, which of you is going to affirm, which is going to deny? I suppose I should start since I was accused of treason. <laughs> uh, in fact, I just uh, did an article for, for American scholar entitled If This Be Treason, leaving out the rest of it, and I, I called the Italian expression traduttore traditore an Italian cliché. <laughs> so I don't think a... Um, Translation translator is a traitor. Uh, I don't know that he's a hero either. That's the problem, you see. That well, I think you are. If I may cut in here for a hundred years of solitude, I'm I'm just a, I'm just deep into the conversations in cathedral. But I read a hundred years of solitude first in English. I then read it in Spanish, and I then read it in French. And I must say that I think I enjoyed all three very very much. But I'm not sure I didn't enjoy the English most of all. <laughs> That English translation has a lot to do with the fact of the success of the book in this country. Garcia Marquez has himself said that critics here have responded more understandingly to the book than they have elsewhere. This, this is a point I uh, have made about translation. I've, I get a lot of flack because I start out as a foreign language teacher and I still do it. And uh, the uh, question of teaching literature in translation, or the hard-nosed uh, Colleagues always come up and say, oh, must do it in the language and so forth. And I remember my own experience with uh, students who would laborious plot, laboriously plod through the original that's supposed to be getting the meat of it and the, the literature at that, at that level. And I don't see why translation doesn't... Uh, that well, after well. all, we can't all we can't all learn Russian much as we would like to in order to read Dostoevsky and then have to learn um, German to read Goethe. And I mean, we should, no doubt. Well, I remember back in, in 1957 when I was in your class, Gregory, we had to read Don Segundo Sombra, which was a painful experience to me. And I hastened off to the British Book Center and I got the little Penguin translation and read it with great pleasure. So that one of the things I'd like to know about uh, when you ask the question, is the translator a traitor? Who is being betrayed? Uh, perhaps the author, perhaps the text, but certainly the reader is not being betrayed. No. Yes, I think that's a frightfully good point. The language, I think what's being betrayed is the language, and I think it will always be betrayed if you go from one language to the other, which I, I really consider translation as a reproduction, as impossible. I think we have to admit uh, right. that. It, that it is a creative act. And isn't, isn't that a fairly yeah. modern notion, that, that translation should be a reproduction? If you look at the great translators in English, at least, the Renaissance translators, or the translators of the King James Bible, they weren't out to reproduce. But to give a version. Yes, yes. Well, even, even something like Joet's translation of Plato, after all, which is probably one of the great translations, nobody could say it was uh, a translation in the sense that it's a mot a mot. Uh, I mean, it, it does keep perfectly faithfully, but I mean, it is much more than a, a mere translation. There have been those translations which are better than the original, too. <laughs> I, yes. That uh, not too many, because I think editors have been wise enough to pick good books to to have translated. But there are certain cases, and the translator I think is tempted. And I've always said that the translator is not in the silk purse business. Uh, <laughs> but it is a temptation when you come across a paragraph that's just not very good, and you have an idea that really is better, that you've written a better paragraph to do it that way. I don't, but uh, I'm tempted. So I, I wonder there who is treasonous or. Uh, uh, whether the author may be committing a 
breach of treason. Yes, I remember when I was reading one of your Asturias translations, I came upon an ungrammatical sentence, just an impossible sentence in English. And I went back and I checked the Spanish, and of course it's ungrammatical in Spanish as well. Now there is, there is a good point. You were loyal to Asturias, but in a certain way you were betraying the you English language. You were being disloyal to English. Yes. But also when Homer nods in Greek, he should nod in English. <laughs> And uh, that's, you know, the whole, the whole Homer. Although I think that uh, they were much more sensible in the old days on translation as they were on many things in, in literature, particularly in the publishing of literature. Um, plagiarism, for example, is a modern worry when uh, old uh, poets had thought nothing of stealing a whole line. If that's the best line there is, why not use it in my poem? And translators would take more liberties. And I think of the King James Bible, which uh, is really uh, another Bible and I read the more accurate Bibles that come out recently in years, and somehow uh, that's not the Bible. I suppose the Hebrew and the Greek uh, are the Bible, and the King James is the Bible, but the, the newer Bible is just not, not the Bible. Absolutely not the Bible, no. There is that the example of Borges, who read Don Quixote in English first, and when he finally got around at the age of six or seven or whatever it was to reading it in Spanish, he said that it sounded like a bad translation. Yeah. Well, I'm afraid I did the same thing with Proust. I read Proust first in English, which I think is a magnificent translation. And um, then I read it in the French. And I must say, I, French happened to be my first language. But um, I, I, I found that the, the English was at least as good. <laughs> sure. I think it can. I think translation can be done. That uh, I, I've spoken about some places about the criticism that when the critic gets onto a translation he usually goes for the mistakes he will go word for word and of course the translator makes mistakes in a lot of cases it doesn't matter that whether you call it a chair or a stool uh, it's the person sitting on it that uh, defines what it is anyway and uh, the other criticism uh, which is the better criticism doesn't take the translation into consideration but reads it as a book this I think is what he meant when he he thought that American critics understood his novel better. I don't take any credit for that. But, uh, I mean, the book was there in English and in Spanish. I think our critics were just better. Well, I'm not sure. I think no. that, that, that that is a, a perfect example of a perfect translation, actually. But um, it is, doesn't it bring up the question when you talk about the word-to-word, -word, uh, the point-for-point -point translation, the critics object as long as they think of the translation as the, the final text. And I don't think translators, I know that you don't, think of your work as the ultimate step. Uh, a translation is a text in progress. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a, a translation is never over. I know and I hate to read uh, I hate to read the printed copy of my translations because I start getting afterthoughts. And I, I haven't felt that way with something I've written myself. Usually I'm satisfied. When it comes out in print, I'm satisfied. That's why I said it. I can't think of a better way to say it, but when I read the translation, I say, oh, damn it, I should have, uh, now the word comes to me. I keep thinking, uh, one thing I teach my classes, I'm teaching a couple of classes in translation, I say, you have to watch out because there are Tuesday words and there are Wednesday words, that when you're translating on Tuesday, you'll think of certain words to translate a foreign word, and that's the Tuesday word, but then on Wednesday, you have a different set of words, and the Wednesday word may be better than the Tuesday word, so you can change it, but then... When you what happens Thursday? You read it, it's all in print, and then the Thursday word comes out and it's too late. There are also writer words and critic words, aren't there? That yeah. if you think of yourself as a writer, you're going to do something far different. I think of the Di Giovanni Borges translations, 
where much of the English comes out of a specific notion of how English ought to be written, not out of a notion of how Borges ought to be brought over into this language. And very often the, the, the choice of the word uh, is, is a perfectly fine one if, if you go in for rather what Di Giovanni calls straightforward or a minimal kind of English. They're the correct choices, but they're never the great choices uh, which you have in the original Spanish. Well, this, I think, uh, the translator's got to have a vocabulary uh, that uh, it's different, I think, from other uses of vocabulary. We have our active vocabulary, we have our passive vocabulary, while the translator's vocabulary is somewhere in between. It's not, it's not the active vocabulary we use when we converse. It's not as big as the passive vocabulary that we recognize when we read, but it, it is bigger than one, smaller than the other. And this is where the choices come up. I think it's a question of synonyms, the right synonym in the right place. And also, t uh, don't you think translations date very much? Oh, yes. I think they have to be redone. I mean, uh, I think, for instance, that uh, a translation of Dante, um, which is, I mean, they're being done, they've been done ever since Dante wrote, and some of the old ones are so terribly out of date, and then you get somebody like Dorothy Sayers, which isn't a particularly good translation, but somehow she got the, the feeling of what a modern person feels about Dante, yes. in, a, in a way, you know. Yes. They can date to the book's advantage as well, though. I think of the, the old translation of Don Quixote, the Motot mm -hmm. translation, which precisely by its quaintness, uh, to me reads uh, much more close, closely to the original than, say, something like the J.M. Cohen. I, uh, no, I think the opposite. In yes. the, I find the uh, Motot a little bit more archaic than the original. Well, perhaps in, that's in, why I get the effect. In the language that... Uh, uh, that the Cohen um, is closer, perhaps, in in the sense that uh, Cervantes was Cervantes in, uh, Spanish was uh, becoming. He was making modern Spanish, while Motor was using archaic English. Still, uh -huh, yes. yet I think the Cohen's translation is going to be archaic in uh, another few decades. Somebody else will have to tackle it. And this is not uh, Cohen doesn't use slang or any. There's nothing that's of the moment. It's just the whole sense. I don't know what it is exactly, but the 19th century translation uh, of the Quixote is uh, far enough back now so that it sounds terribly 19th century to us. But yet some 19th century translations. Did you ever read any of Longfellow, the, the American poet? Because um, I think he's, after all, a rather passé poet. I mean, nobody mm -hmm. really takes Longfellow very seriously as a poet. His translations are frightfully good, still. Yes. His poetry, his first translations. And it's quite amazing, because he's such a dated poet, you know. Well, tell me not in mournful numbers, one can hardly bear now. But, but his translations, from the Spanish too, are yes, very he did a lot. good. He did a lot of them, and, and it, it seems to me they're much more valid than his own verse. Well, it's sort of like Pope's Iliad, uh, I guess, that uh, it's almost like the King James. Uh, uh, that it does, it really, it's, a, it's a beautiful poem. Yes. But you have to remember, you, you, know, you don't, can't forget that you're reading Pope. You never forget that you're reading Pope. <laughs> That's right. Or, or think of someone like Poe, who, who exists for us minimally, and, uh, and for the French exists as, as a major figure in translation. We certainly wouldn't call Baudelaire a traitor. No. Uh, on that score. No, and same with the Russians. They, they, they like, um, who, who are the two great Americans they like so much? Um, Bret Hart. And Jack think, London. And Jack London. And there's some other author that uh, no one here has ever heard oh, of. Oh, he's uh, um, old uh, Voynich. They, they, she was translated right away, the, the um, gadfly. They've sold seven million copies or something in Russia. But they're not particularly important books for us. But mm -hmm. because the translations were so good, especially of Jack London, 
um, th th he's, he's a major, he's the major um, American writer for the Russians. Because I think the master translator was Ossian McPherson. Yes. Really? Is what, uh, that is the translator, Some someday, uh, I've been tempted to, someday the translator is going to discover some hidden text and we're going to have a new novelist will find out the translator did it all himself. <laughs> I think a translator sometimes is a writer who uh, wants to write but doesn't have the ideas, which is the beauty of it, that you can, you can write all you want, but uh, you don't have to worry about thinking up ideas and plots and so forth. But you it's an enormous pleasure, don't you think? I think it's fun, it's fun, yeah. But is, isn't the other side of that that some translators are bad writers? Oh, yeah. And when they sit down to do their translations, their bad writing is, is, is mm. what comes across. My, my principal objection to most translations that I read is not one of accuracy, that, that's something mm -hmm. to think about, but simply that the person doing the writing doesn't handle English very well. I remember hearing a translator a long time ago being asked, well, is your Spanish good enough to handle that book? Mm -hmm. And he responded, I don't really care. I can get people to help me with the Spanish. I'm worried about English. Exactly, yeah. You'd agree about that, because that's yes. a very important point. Yes, I, this is what I find in, in my courses, that uh, they're really courses in English. But uh, they, the students, they have the dictionaries, and uh, some of them are quite good in the uh, in the reading of the other language. I don't find many, I don't find a mistake in meaning. I find a mistake in the shade of meaning, that uh, there's a word that is not in their vocabulary that they should have had to describe this object. Uh, just the other day, there was one piece that somebody did uh, by Machado de Assis, and it came out terribly pedestrian because it was simplified. The language just wasn't good. Uh, the meaning was there but it read like a news item. Mm -hmm. This is one of the reasons that I object very much to this, this current fad for checking the translation against the original line by line and word for word. We're getting minimal writers, uh, minimal translations, and I think maybe 10 or 15 or 20 years from now when we're over this phase of handling English that way, many of these translations are going to read as very bleak books. Mm, they're trots. Yes, they are trots. That's right. Exactly. Trots. You say. Yes. And I remember the, uh, when I studying Virgil, you could buy a book which uh, had the words, they even broke them in the wrong way so they would fit right under the Latin word. Uh -huh. And they were very helpful, but it wasn't literature and it wasn't <laughs> virtual either. It wasn't even a translation? No. No, I remember my mother telling me about the translations in opera and there was a translation of, of the German, um, Sein Füßlein hat, das ärgerte den Herrn, Sein Füßlein hat er gern, which was translated, that much annoyed the Lord, her tootsies he adored, which is a perfectly <laughs> adequate translation, but when sung by a great diva. <laughs> but do you think the person can do it if they don't know the language at all? Wister Norden, for instance, knew no Swedish when he translated Doug Hammarskjöld's markings. What do you think about that? Well, as Ron just said, I suppose if, uh, I forget who you're quoting, uh, uh, if, Di Giovanni. Di Giovanni, if someone is there to tell him what it means. Remember, also, uh, Borges told you, Di Giovanni once, don't, uh, don't write what I'm saying, but what I'm trying to say. Yes, that's fair. Right. And I think he's so right. Borges knew his English so well. That, uh, and I've, I found this true also in, uh, I've done some myself, and I noticed other writers who can write in two languages don't like to translate themselves. And I have had this experience in, I've done an article in English, let's say, and put it into Spanish or vice versa. And I find it terribly hard to translate my own stuff. I can do somebody else's, but uh, when I do my own stuff, I want to rewrite it because they're two different languages and I don't express myself the same way, my own ideas. I, I, I do that too. I, I, when I write in, when I try, I'm given something to translate into French, for instance, uh, of my own, 
I always uh, rewrite the article. I cannot do a translation of my own stuff. It's very funny. When, when it's devastating. Yeah. I remember that uh, when I had a book, uh, my thesis, in fact, which was in, written in English, was published in Brazil, and I didn't have to translate it. I thought that was a mercy because uh, I, I made some attempts at it, and uh, it would have been as tedious as writing the thing all over again. What was your thesis? It was on the Negro and Brazilian fiction. That must have been a fascinating... Modern fiction, mostly. Mm. There's so much coming out of uh, all these countries, isn't there? It's tremendous, the, the uh, um, flowering of, of um, Spanish and... Um, Brazil is now... Uh, I still doesn't get the recognition here that the Spanish countries do, I suppose, because of the... It's a minor language by our standards, and uh, it's not taught. But uh, it is one-third of uh, Latin America, and uh, a lot of good stuff is coming out of there now. I wish we... You know, There's some very good poets, bit, aren't there? Could you good poets and... Good uh, novelists. And good uh, right now, the short story is, uh, is, uh, seems to be coming to the fore. Novelists are... are well, I think Nelly de Pignon, mm -hmm. who uh, is both novelist and short story writer, and one of those few who writes two different styles. Is, uh, her, her novels are off. I'm now polishing... Uh, a novel of hers, uh, which I translated, and it's one of the hardest things I've had to do because of her good style. And yet her short stories are quite uh, different. Are they also good? They're good, too. Mm. And she, she makes that beautiful distinction between the two, between the two genres, even to the, to, for the, the a translator can see uh, the difference. Uh, I might say her short stories are easier to translate <laughs> than her novels. And there's this Clarice Lispector, and Clarice which has never, never gotten proper uh, recognition here. Yeah. And she translates beautifully. That's yeah. another thing we haven't said anything about, that curious kind of writer who does translate well. Mm -hmm. Garcia Marquez, I think... Uh, the, I don't recall any trouble with uh, 100 Years of Solitude. It, uh, it flowed right along because he wrote so well. I kind of use it as a touchstone for, for good writing, as a good writer will, uh, will translate well. Uh, people have said that he's probably the greatest writer since Cervantes. I yeah. would think so. I, 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 uh, in, in, in matter of uh, style, of uh, use of the language, it's, uh, and I think it's a natural gift in a way. Of the old Homeric gift, I suppose, uh, of just using the language. And, and what speaking. would you make of the, the old thing that, that Frost said about uh, poetry is the mm. thing that gets lost in translation? I think so. It only applies to poetry, though, not, not to um, fiction. To it, oh, it can, if you... I think that the beauty of uh, prose, uh, beauty or ugliness, I suppose, is that uh, you don't read it as closely as you do poetry. But if you were to read po prose as closely as poetry, the same thing would apply. You don't have to worry about so many technical uh, And yet, the German translation of Shakespeare is so good, don't you think? Yes. I won't say the same for the French, including, oh, no. including André Gide. The Russian is supposed to be very good, too. The German is so good that a, a refugee came over and saw the, the um, was taken to Canada to see the Stratford plays. And um, a friend of mine who took him said, how did you like it? And he said, well, it wasn't bad for a translation. He really thought he was a young German. He really thought Shakespeare wrote in German. On the other hand, Goethe, I've never seen Goethe translated properly. That's true. And I've had trouble with them in courses because of that. Yes. Uh, it, uh, Even the short stories are no good, are they? There's, there's marvelous short stories of his. Well, is that a case that he's not been translated properly or he doesn't translate? I think it, he doesn't translate, translate. because I've read the uh, thing of Faust. I've read any number of translations of Faust, and 
None of them seem to uh, do what Goethe was up to. Well, they say that about Pushkin, don't they? I mean, after all, Dostoevsky translates beautifully and, and um, Turgenev. Uh, but um, nobody has done a good, at least uh, Pushkin doesn't come out as a, as a great writer at all. I well, remember uh, Edmund Wilson and Nabokov are going at each other over Pushkin <laughs> yes. translation. <laughs> but I don't think they proved anything <laughs> no. except their bad temper. And their wit. <laughs> and, their and perhaps that Pushkin is uh, difficult to translate. <laughs> One of the things that you notice with the Faust is that when it gets performed in translation, things that were possible or almost possible on the page don't work at all on, on the stage. And I wondered about uh, Latin American theater. There are at least some things. Uh, for example, Fuentes has a play that's going to be performed in Paris th this spring. The chances of that coming to the United States are minimal. Uh, why is it that we don't have any people, good people translating Latin American theater? Well, I hate to say it, but I think that it may be a lack of good theater, consistently good theater. Consistent. Not, not to uh, put down Fuentes' play, which I haven't read, or in some other mm -hmm. plays, but there doesn't seem to be a body of theater. They, they haven't caught up. Uh, there's the U.S., so it was sort of in the same straits in the 19th century, and then there was a burst of good body of theater, which hasn't come to, to Latin America. You can see it when you're down there. The, most of the plays are foreign plays with a few... Except, for, of course, for a few of the great Spanish. I mean, Locke. Uh, yeah, the, the old... Uh, Not even the old ones. Oh, Locke. Locke yeah. is terrific. Of course, that, that's another thing that may have some... maybe some great cultural, sociological thing that Spain has theatre and Spanish America doesn't. Well, Spain has no novelists to speak of. And... Well, they've had some. Contemporary? Oh, yeah. Uh, Goiti Solo. Goiti Solo, Goiti yes. Solo is... Uh, Right along with the Spanish American. And speaking of a book that translated, that that book translated beautifully. The uh, the, uh, the Count Julian. Yes. Count Julian. Yes. That was Helen Lane, who was very good. Yes, she is a good translator. And it's a it's a rough book. Well, on the whole, we we agree, or you you gentlemen agree, that uh, translators are not traitors. Um, what are they really? What? How would you define the the essential function of a translator, because it is a creative act, but what kind of a creative act? Maybe a translator is an old-time bard who takes a, what used to be folklore from one tribe, and uh, he's been wandering around the other tribe, and now he's singing it for his tribe, uh, kind of Homeric in, in that sense. Uh. I agree absolutely. I, th I think the translator is first and foremost a writer whose inspiration happens to be another text. And another language. Yes, yeah. in another language. In another language, yes. Yes, I think that that might be, and that might explain too why, so, why you, as you say, um, Pushkin can't translate, Russian can't translate. The theatre of a people is much harder than the storytelling yeah. quality, don't you think? Well, Homer is, uh, well, I won't say easy, but he's uh, accessible. Aristophanes is impossible. Exactly, exactly. Well, I'm very grateful indeed, uh, Professor Abassa, and. Um, Mr. Christ, I'm very grateful indeed to you for having dispelled the um, Italian uh, platitude that the translator is a traitor, that he isn't one at all. Thank you both very much indeed for being on WNYC on Pen Portraits. And I'm most grateful to you both, and PEN and WNYC were very honored by your presence. Thank you. <laughs>